Hello and welcome to episode four of That CI Podcast, That Creative Industries Podcast. Uh, my name is Ash. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Just a bit of housekeeping. If you like the podcast, if you like the website and you'd like it to continue, there's a couple of things you can do. You can give us a rating wherever you found this podcast. You can share it with your buddies, especially those that might be interested in this kind of thing. And now you can also support us on Patreon, where you can make a regular monthly contribution to the show, and in exchange you'll get some unreleased content. So, on to today's episode. This is the first episode I tried recording over a phone here in Australia, so let me know how that sounds to you. And this interview is with Lena Nailos. Uh, I think it's kind of fitting, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce that surname, so I'm, I'm sorry Lena. Uh, she is the Executive Director of Diversity Arts Australia. And I started the interview in the usual way by asking a bit about her background. Okay, my name's Lena Nathalus. I'm the Executive Director of Diversity Arts Australia, or DART for short, and we're a national organisation committed to advocating for a more inclusive and equitable creative sector, um, and that includes working across all art forms. We specifically focus on uh, greater inclusion in terms of cultural and li- linguistic diversity. So in terms of cultural and linguistic diversity, um, in terms of audiences, artists, producers, leadership. And how did you specifically get into this this kind of field? Believe it or not, all the way back at university when I was, you know, kind of working in partnership with other culturally diverse people and First Nations people on projects and publications in response to the lack of representation that um, people from from our backgrounds had in, in terms of, you know, university publications or magazines, for example. Um, and that's, you know, I guess my politicisation and awareness about these issues probably started before that. But when I was at university, I, you know, was very actively involved in trying to shift things and um, was back in the day, very, uh, very un-PC term now, was an ethnic affairs officer of the SRC. (laughs) Now they've got way more PC titles. (laughs) So, um, and so, yeah, so, so that's kind of where it, it started for me. And also being from an Arab background and kind of growing up and, feeling like these spaces, a lot of these creative spaces weren't for me or didn't kind of acknowledge my stories or, you know, sometimes even being told quite directly that my stories weren't women's stories, they were migrant stories or, and kind of, you know, coming to that, that awareness that we needed to kind of shift and change things. And for many years I was a, for many years I, I worked at, at very, in various roles, but uh, one was for over a decade at an organisation called Information and Cultural Exchange, or ICE, and uh, we worked a lot with migrant communities and people from refugee backgrounds and, um, you know, at, at kind of trying to to shift and create opportunities for people from those backgrounds to be working in the arts and creative sectors or to be more engaged in various ways so it's been it's kind of been my whole life in a way (laughs) different kind of role though because this is the first time I've worked nationally and ICE was in Western Sydney and we were working across Western Sydney but but also quite directly and this this you know diversity arts is more about working nationally and you know bigger picture 
so research and trying to change policy, trying to support organizations and companies to make change. So that's the interesting shift for me. And and so so how did the organization get its start and like what's what's the history for to to diversity arts? So the organization actually was it was an organization called Cultura, which was a touring multicultural organization. So it was like it was tour art around Australia um, with the objective of kind of, I guess, giving people greater exposure and opportunity to various art forms, whether it was an exhibition or musicians or a theater performance. And, uh, and then the board decided before I started to kind of, that we, they needed to, to shift things and to have more of a focus on that bigger picture strategy. And I was, I was kind of brought in and um, worked to re- restructure, rebrand, rename the organization. So in its, in the current version of the organization, it's uh, been around since about 2016, but it's been around a lot longer, you know, as culture, mm. but it's kind of, I guess, evolved or, or changed focus. And and what what industries do you do you advocate for or, or include in in the umbrella? I'm um, coming from my background, the sort of sort of wonkish academic um, perspective. Um, I, I would use uh, the creative industries are those that generate uh, intellectual property. Um, so what what what? How do you define the um, the creative industries at your organisation? So we're really um, ambitious. We're small but nimble and strategic, and so. You know, we work across, in theory, all of the creative sector. Um, but in real, in reality, we've had a very strong focus on a lot of, you know, basically the the arts and screen sectors, and um, particularly, you know, in the first few years, made a decision to have a strong focus on on screen and um, theatre and performing arts because a lot of the discourse was already happening in those spaces and because they are, so, you know, uh, you know, uh, yeah, so there was already a lot of discussion about the need for greater kind of equity happening already in the screen sectors and in the performing arts sectors as well. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean that we only work in, in those areas or for those areas. So we've got some research coming out next month which has actually looked at leadership across um, all of the creative sector and it's looked at 200 organisations from, and that includes broadcast organisations, digital organisations. So it, 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 it isn't just looking at, um, for example, the Australia Council's art practice areas. It's much broader than that because our capacity is limited. In reality, we, we don't focus on every you know, on every area, we we can't always, but we we try to do strategic work and projects that will bring attention to the broader issues of access and equity mm. and inclusion. So, what what does when it comes to diversity, um, you know, as as you're you're thinking about it, what does the situation look like in in Australia? How how would you describe it? Um, I think that there's a lot more awareness about the need for diversity. But there isn't still, you know, substantial kind of shifts in terms of um, the actual creative sector, and that's a really big, I think, piece of research that needs needs to happen as to why why that is the case. Um, I think that 
It's a really big question, and again, I feel like I need to break it down into little oh, bits. Sure. Yeah. I, I think I think I think that on the one hand, there's always been enormous diversity of work that's been happening. I, I know that you know in where I grew up, you know there were regular concerts from the local Palestinian club with international you know, world-renowned musicians coming out for, you know, classical musicians or there was, you know, also near the area I grew up, like um, amazing, you know, Chinese band dancing and and sword dancing. So there's always been a lot of diversity in terms of the art practices that are happening, particularly with people from non-English-speaking backgrounds and migrant backgrounds but it's just not always being funded, recognised and supported to develop further and it's often not on the radar of mainstream funding bodies. There's no way of uh, often assessing um, some of those art forms. There aren't people with the expertise within those structures sometimes. So one of the women who we've come to know is a is, a, is an Indian dancer who came to Australia on one of those visas that you get only if you're considered to be exceptionally talented in your art form and she has been unable to get any mainstream arts funding grant for her dance form because it's not regarded to be contemporary Australian or a new art form or or new work And, and she said to me you know every time I create something it is new, it's always evolving, but often there's not an understanding of that art form or an appreciation of it from those people who are making those decisions and assessments. I think another part of it is the ed- education and the, and where you go to learn various art practice areas and um, and who who's teaching what and from what canon, you know, they're coming from or, you know, because often that's also a way of locking people in and out. So when you are you know, training to be a classically trained dancer, what does that actually mean in the Australian context? And it usually means Western dance. It doesn't mean, you know, Indian dance. And um, so I think that at a range of levels, things need to shift. And it's not just at one level. It's not just about blaming, you know, the state or the, or the sure. you know, or the, or the national government for, for this. But it's also, it's, but it's about them needing to kind of acknowledge that they need to, rethink and reflect on um, on the canon that they're kind of repro- you know allowing to be reproduced from what they're they're kind of funding and I think that there is a greater awareness of these issues but there needs to be much greater action and um, that there needs to be funding that's tied to uh, you know I'm really a strong believer that there needs to be funding kind of tied to diversity outcomes or um, and, and that if it's, if it's, you know, that people don't get funded unless, you know, they actually agree to to do these things and to to be inclusive in these ways. And it's and, and certainly been a successful model in other places like the UK or Screen Australia, for example, and Screen New South Wales. They introduced uh, gender targets and, um, and were able to kind of great change in terms of more female representation and I think there needs to be these targets that are introduced for culturally and linguistically diverse participation across all levels and I think that's what's going to really um, push people to make that change as well as 
support training and and kind of changing, shifting kind of leadership and having more diversity within leadership and having more expertise that is kind of culturally diverse as well, bringing that in when you don't have it. Yeah, it's it's interesting talking about sort of so- solutions here around like 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 quotas or sort of diversity requirements for for, for certain organisations, because in in a lot of fields like like Hollywood, you know, somewhat recently in in say you know pop pop culture um, arenas, um, there, there was for for decades there was this sort of this this response to calls for diversity that like you know the the market doesn't want it, the audience isn't isn't interested, but. You know, there's recently there's there's all kinds of evidence that like these are huge blockbusters. You know, these are actually really popular. You know, the market does want this stuff, and and it's 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 somewhat baffling that like it's just not getting through to the people actually making the decisions. Yeah, I mean, you see the success of a film like Black Panther. Yeah. Like it's you know, yeah, it's people definitely want this, and people are kind of. I mean, the the Australia Council. Uh, did some research a few years ago that actually showed that culturally and linguistically diverse audiences were more communities were more engaged in the arts, were actually had higher participation rates in the arts um, than, you know, Anglo-Saxon communities, for example, and were, were way more engaged. But I think people go won't necessarily go to, like, it's like you can't force communities <laughs> to have to like particular art forms or they're going to they're going to go to the things that they like to go to they're going to you know engage with the art forms that they're interested in engaging in and i think that that's yeah i think there are massive audiences in my experience and i think that the kinds of grassroots work that i did for many years was just so it's 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 been so useful with this kind of work like i remember Years ago, when um, we started in Western Sydney, getting large community, large Afghan communities for the first time, and a lot of those people who were migrating here were artists. And it's not surprising sometimes that artists are, you know, coming and seeking asylum because you know often they're the ones who are speaking out or making work that is, you know, challenging the status quo. And and I remember going to this you know, community exhibition or, you know, and it was incredible. There was like, you know, hundreds of people there for this Afghan kind of exhibition performance, but it was in, you know, some kind of community hall, you know, it wasn't at a major venue. It didn't get any funding or support from any government bodies. So it it was, like I say, it was off the radar, but you could see the audiences were there and people were hungry for the work and really interested in you know, engaging in, in those areas of work. And, and similarly, I think we all, um, we can often relate to stories that are outside of our experience, but we're also interested in stories that are kind of connected to our experience. So even though I'm Arab Australian, I kind of grew up watching a lot of African-American <laughs> sitcoms. And now I think about it as an adult and kind of chuckle and think I'm, I'm not African-American clearly, but I could relate to those kinds of, stories and experiences and often outsider experiences that I guess I could relate to. And I think that's the same with a lot of migrant stories um, or, you know, stories from cultures in Australia that aren't the, the mainstream Anglo-Celtic cultures. cultures. What sort of arguments do, do, does Diversity Hearts have in the arsenal if, if somebody says, like, 
you know, what's what's the point? What's it for? Is it should should we be thinking of this as simply a, a, a moral or sort of an ethical concern that it's it's simply it's simply not right that you know certain, that large swaths of the population aren't represented on stage, don't have opportunities, or do 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 you also have um, more utilitarian sort of arguments? Like, how, how do you encourage people to? Think about this when they're trying to persuade people that not only is this an issue, but that it it, it matters. You know, it's 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 actually quite important. And, and and I guess an angle to this question as well is like, why does diversity matter? But also, um, why why diversity in this sector? You know, well, why is it so important that that the stories reflect uh, the people in our society? You know, when you could be looking at uh, you know, uh, construction or retail. You know, you could be looking at any part of what's going on in society. Like, what, why is culture so important? Culture is so important because the stories um, that we tell each other about who we are really matter and help us reflect on ourselves and um, reflect on our values and understand each other better and uh, are really incredibly powerful ways of, 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 you know, opening up. And, yeah, I mean, the stories that we tell ourselves and each other really matter. They're really important. And when people are left out of those stories or made invisible, rendered invisible from those stories, the arts themselves in being able to kind of express who we are through those art forms have a great capacity to kind of shift and change the way people think about each other and themselves and reflect on themselves in ways that you can't always do, you know, if you're I don't know, like my family are all tradies. So I'm going to give my dad's example, who great Tyler, great Tyler. <laughs> but, you know, it's not necessarily in that uh, in that moment, tiling not necessarily going to, you know, make other people think about, hang on a minute, I have this value about this that I hadn't really thought of and this is making me interrogate it. And I do think that, you know, music and film and performance you know, all have the capacity to kind of do that and um, in, in really substantial ways. And, um, and particularly when, when we see the kind of rise of uh, the extreme kind of right and the kinds of things that have happened recently, you, you really feel like, wow, we've got a really important place, like the, the arts and creative sectors are so important right now in terms of, you know, bringing people together. But, you know, from a human rights perspective, it's super important. It's it's a fundamental, the, the right to creative expression is a fundamental human right. And um, and if we don't allow all people to kind of participate in, in that, then we are excluding people from, you know, society. We are excluding voices and we are kind of creating divisions between people that shouldn't be there and inequity. And when we're saying that one person's story or one group of people's story is the dominant story and the way they tell that story, the way they perform, the way they create, the way they build is the way that it should be done, then we're actually telling a whole huge segment of society and it isn't just culturally diverse people. We know that. It's also First Nations people. It's also, you know, people who are socioeconomically disadvantaged. It's often people with disability as well. We're telling them that their creations, their ways of speaking, thinking, creating are not relevant, don't have resonance, certainly doesn't bring about kind of a kind of harmonious society that's connected and you know, for us, harmony isn't about we all agree and we all get along. It's all—it's about 
that we are really different. We don't need to be the same. We're going to have different ways of doing and different ways of thinking and different ways of understanding, but we can work together and we can still be part of this crazy jigsaw puzzle that we live in. And, um, and that's okay. It's okay to have those differences. Thinking about cohesiveness and doing some reading about it, you know, um, cohesiveness isn't about sameness. It isn't about mm. us all being needing to be the same. It's actually about us being able to be different. Okay, so let's let's move on to some of the very interesting work that uh, diverse, Diversity Arts has been doing. Um, what is the Fair Play Symposium? Okay, this is a really exciting project. Fair Play was funded by Creative Victoria and it kind of came out of some consultations that they did with the sector about the need for more capacity building in the sector, particularly in terms of inclusion and participation of people from First Nations backgrounds, people with disabilities and underrepresented culturally and linguistically diverse groups. Um, And they then kind of co-designed what the program would look like. So Fair Play is just one of the many programs that they're running. And the idea is that we would work with 20 organisations over two years in Victoria and we would work with them across all of the creative industries to do training and capacity building and support them to uh, be better at working with those three groups that I just mentioned, um, you know, and, and, and kind of develop a very tailored program for them. So it might be that they really want to work better with First Nations communities or with people with disabilities. And because we focus on cultural and linguistic diversity, we've partnered with organisations whose focus is, you know, to work in those areas. So with organisations like Career Heritage Trust and Arts Access Victoria so that we can um, deliver, you know, deliver this program. So the first thing that we did was start with a symposium in Melbourne over two days that brought people together to talk about these issues. So it kind of specifically brought together um you know, that it was open to the whole sector, but the focus was on, on it being led by the people, the artists, the creatives from who were from those three focus areas. So from underrepresented CALD backgrounds or culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds and people with disabilities, artists with disabilities and First Nations creatives. And we also brought in or people from the UK in partnership with the British Council to also be part of those discussions and, um, have, you know, contextualise them, not just, even though the focus was Victoria, we also had national attendance and national and, pe- and people speaking who had a national perspective and also an international perspective because it was important to kind of contextualise these issues were there any recordings of, of the, the sessions? Is there any way for people to, to, to check out the what, what happened at the symposium? Yeah, so the, the, the two days were live streamed and also live captioned. So they're all available on the Diversity Arts Australia website. Um, you, can, you can watch the two days of the symposium. You, you will also be producing a, a, some podcasts based on, on the discussions and also a series of short films and they'll go out to they'll go out to the sector and all of the transcriptions as well are available on our website so you can read you can read as well and there, there was there was a, there were amazing people so there were performances keynote uh, keynote talks there were 
um, panel discussions and really engaging kind of audience discussions as well. So, yeah, that, that's all available. And it was just a way to kind of also bring bring people together and recognise that when, you know, that Diversity Arts Australia is not the, the bringer and bearer of all the knowledge, like the knowledge is here already. And often, you know, they've, they've had a platform, but in this context, I felt like it was really powerful to bring those groups together as well because I know as someone working in the, in specifically in the cow space or culturally diverse space at the moment, we've definitely been watching and learning a lot from the way in which First Nations, you know, people are doing what they're doing or the way that people with disability in the arts are, are, you know, making change. And I think we can learn from each other. You know, there's also a lot of potential for greater solidarity amongst us as well. The events that are coming out over the next two years with with individual organisations, they're, they're like, are these like training sessions? Uh, what what what's the sort of structure? What's what's going on in these? Okay, so I don't know if this, if anything like this has happened around Australia before. So it's really it's it's a really exciting kind of project that Creative Victoria has co-designed with the you know creative industries in in Victoria. Um, so we are now kind of, we now have EOIs open so people can put in an expression of interest to participate in the program and and then we would work with them to kind of do, use our benchmarking tool to identify what areas they need um, support in and they'll already have an idea about that. Like we really need greater audience engagement or we need more support with, you know, employment audiences and you know, this, whatever this other thing might might be. And we would then design a program with them and with our partners that we would then roll out over a six-month period. Some of it would include workshops and training where we do that in a group environment, um, but most of it would be working with that organisation to run their, the training that they need and working with a mentor as well to kind of support them throughout their, their journey of change and then help them reflect on it at the end and see whether, you know, things have shifted in that organisation for them. And be- because of the audience we have, I'm sure there's somebody doing a PhD who's like, this is what I'm studying, I want to find out about this. So will there, will there be any, um, will you be putting out any um, any results at the end of this? Will it, Like how, how will you be reporting on this at the, at the end of it and how can people see, you know, what happened uh, ultimately? Now, this is what's so awesome about this project and Creative Victoria have embedded into all of the, you know, capacity building diversity kind of program that they're running that they all need to be doing really kind of thorough monitoring and evaluation and having these processes. And they've actually contracted BYP groups who who are kind of working with all the organisations to help develop these monitoring and evaluation frameworks for their specific project. And so we've developed as well a monitoring and evaluation framework for this and we'll be monitoring it throughout. After the first year, we want to kind of make the changes that we need to to improve it in the second year. But we'll also be monitoring the organisation. So even, you know, after the program's finished, we would like to back six months after, one year after to kind of see whether that change has continued Mm. um, and whether there's been, you know, kind of any longer term, yeah, whether there's been longer term change and influence. So 
we at Diversity Arts Australia, we tend to monitor everything that we do. We're always evaluating and putting out reports. So we're also putting out a report on the Fair Play Symposium. We've documented it as much as we can. And part of that is because we are small, we need to be strategic and we need to have that reach. We, we had a, a documentary researcher at the symposium for those. And we also had uh, citizen journalists who we embedded as well into those two days to write articles reflecting on the symposium and the report will um, the report will reflect on the symposium. So, you know, the whole way through we'll be documenting. It's really fundamental to what we do. You've definitely made some academics very happy by doing that because it's hard to find uh, evidence on, on a lot of these things sometimes. It is really hard and it's also getting for us like getting getting the the partnerships that we need and the funding and the support to do this kind of research we we kind of feel like a lot of the projects that we've been doing they're deliberately strategic projects that embed research into them Mm. in some way i wanted to touch on two things Uh, one is uh what's next and i guess i guess for the next two years you'll just be implementing and and rolling out the, the fair play program well, yeah, that's right. And um, and if people want to find out more about it or be more involved in it, then go to our website and subscribe but to our e-news or, or contact us via the site. And is there anything that you wanted to bring up, you wanted to cover that we haven't touched on? Okay, so we're working on a project called Stories from the Future at the moment, which is We've got a suite of projects that we call strategic projects where artists uh, and arts workers or creative workers are themselves, you know, the the advocates and the people who are articulating what the key issues are. So Stories from the Future is a speculative futures project where we run it around the country with different groups of culturally and linguistically diverse artists and and creative workers. kind of getting them to imagine, do a series of exercise through through a workshop um, and and kind of come up with a timeline to the future and imagine what would need to change and shift in the creative industries or creative sector to have a more inclusive sector that they would want to be a part of or participate in. And, um, and it's, yeah, and, and then kind of coming up with these timelines that we then synthesise and from that, create a kind of report of actions that need to happen to get to the 2050 that we're imagining. Um, and from that, we're also embedding citizen journalists and also writers into the workshop. So we'll be producing uh, one document, which will be all of the writing that has been uh, all of the citizen journalist articles, which are also being published by SBS Life. Mm. And we are also producing an anthology of stories of 10, 10 writers from across Australia or um, diverse writers who are kind of going to to also be in those workshops and participating. So I think that's a great. I'm really excited by that project. It's really cool. And we've just run our first two workshops. The, the idea is that, you know, if we can't imagine the features that we want and if we can't we need to take ourselves outside of this kind of binary place that we're often in where and we're always responding as well to kind of oh no funding cuts oh no these are the funding priorities 
and we're not giving ourselves the space to imagine what it is we want and where we want to be, not what the four points of the next funding proposal tell us are the objectives that we need to meet, but actually, you know, let's really use our imagination. So that is an exciting project for me. So please go online and put in an expression of interest because we'll be running that across this year um, and we're looking for culturally diverse artists, creative arts workers to um, participate in those workshops. The other project that I wanted to, to tell you a little bit about that we're also doing where artists are advocates and, are, you know, is, um, is Diversity Dialogues, which is a project that is also happening this year where we've brought together artists to be both respond to provocation and also be um, provocateurs and to create works um, that will bring people together to have these critical discussions. Um, and so this is a really exciting exciting project as well. <laughs> we, we want to use the hearts itself to get the message across. We don't want to just be, um, you know, we don't want to just operate like we would if we were, um, in the business sector or where, or, or, you know, we are, we are in the creative sector and, you know, and it's such a powerful sector to be in for change. Thank you.